We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Your go-to Pacers podcast with Alex Golden and Michael Focci. Joining me today, as he does every week, is the one and only Michael J. Focci. He has a Zaire Williams tattoo on the small of his back, and he loves collecting bobbleheads of former draft bust Focci. How you doing, brother? Someone please call up your local tattoo remove, removal artist because I would have to get that removed right away. Uh... Love a good bobblehead, just I prefer they actually end up living up to their potential in the NBA. So, hey, we got a lot to unpack today talking about Zaire Williams, someone who uh, really left you wanting a lot more. I feel like his, his freshman year was a bit underwhelming, but Alex, I mean, tell me, what were your thoughts on Zaire? Yeah, so Zaire is a guy that I thought, man, he's got a lot of intangibles. He's got a lot of really nice skills. He's a big wing. He It's like... If you're if you're thinking of the perfect wing, you kind of draw up this guy, and then you see how he goes out on the on the court and plays. And he did not look so good in Stanford. There was a couple of games where he really popped, but there was a lot of games where he really struggled. And so we're going to get into that today with our with our buddy Jared Katz because Zaire is such an intriguing prospect. I've had a lot of Pacer fans going at at me in my mentions saying, "Hey, we want to hear more about Zaire Williams." So. You know, you ask, you shall receive. We talked about him, but I don't think he's going to be the pick at 13 uh, with the Pacers having the 13th overall pick. No, the upside, the potential, it's there. He's got an NBA-type size body at 6'7", 6'8", with a large wingspan, but there, there's more to just measurements. And I think that this is a guy that might not be ready to produce for a while, and the Pacers, they're at a pretty pivotal spot where, hey – our last few first-round draft picks have not been able to produce for a while. I think it's about time we get someone who's a bit more NBA-ready. Yeah, I mean, this is a project kind of guy, and and we'll find out more about why he's a project guy with our guests. So, Fachi, let's step out of the way and let Jared Katz spoil Zaire Williams' draft report for us. 
All right, everybody, we're back for another episode of the Prospect Chronicles. And once again, we're joined this week by the one and only Jared Katz from Mavs Draft. Jared, what's going on, man? Doing great. Thank you guys for having me. I'm, uh, I'm excited to talk about this particular prospect. Yeah, Fachi, which prospect are we talking about today? So right now we are talking about Zaire Williams, a uh, five-star recruit that uh, kind of left you, you know, wanting to know a little bit more as he enters the NBA draft. Freshman. Mm-hmm. And, and that's exactly what we're going to do today with Jared. We're going to break down Zaire Williams' game. I've had people messaging me saying, I want to hear more about Zaire. I think he's a good fit for the Pacers at 13. And we're going to break down if that is a good decision or not based on some of the film studies that – uh Jared has done and the scouting that Jared's done. So let's get right into it, Jared. Uh, first question, Zaire Williams, what is, uh, where do you have him out on your, uh, on your big board? So I have him at 17 at the moment. Um, uh, I'm still kind of working through my board a little bit, but, but I expect him to fall somewhere between 17 and 20 at the end of the day. All right. I mean, this is someone that right now I just I feel like he's got all the talent in the world, but I don't want to be negative here. But this is someone who, you know, like I mentioned before, a five star recruit picks Stanford, goes over there, doesn't really produce what I think what people thought. Talking about someone who shot sub 38 percent for the field, sub 30 percent from three. Is it safe to say, Jared, that he underperformed last year? A thousand percent. Yeah. Zaire Williams was one of those guys coming in. Where, you know, I, I think everybody for for the most part has had that the first couple tiers being, you know, Cade, Suggs, Mobley, Green, Kuminga. Uh, and then there's kind of a, you know, a big blob of, of who's next. And for a while, Zaire Williams was in that conversation. Um, that's the kind of talent he had coming out of high school. Those were, I think, the expectations that people had, especially really interesting going to Stanford. Um you really don't see a lot of one and done guys, um, especially of that that caliber of recruit, go to Stanford, um, and so you kind of expected him to be the guy, um, and you know, unfortunately, the the numbers didn't really back that up. He he dealt with some injuries this year. I think he had a, a so, something personal going on that that caused him to miss a few games as well. Um, but even from the get go, he he just didn't really look healthy. Well, and I and I have to ask this because Pacer fans here, I think I think this is why I haven't really talked to anybody personally, but I think the reason a lot of Pacer fans are excited about Zaire is because he kind of has some of the same build of Paul George when he entered into the NBA draft about 11 years ago in 2010. And I mean, I can kind of see that maybe it's an unknown, a guy that you know struggled, but still there's some upside there. Do you, do you think that that's kind of where you would project him at right now as a guy that's a little bit under the radar? Uh, yeah, I, I think that's fair. Uh, I've seen Paul George as a comparison uh, for Zaire a couple of times. Um, I, I think you need to be really careful um, when you're talking about, you know, all NBA talent like that. Right. But uh, as far as frame and, and straight, ability and, and play style I think there are some similarities there and and like you said that could be a reason that a lot of Pacers fans uh, are excited for Williams 
Yeah, I mean, we're talking about a guy who's six seven, six eight. He's got about a six ten wingspan. Uh, I think that he is good on the defensive side of things. But, you know, I saw the Paul G- Paul George name floated around there. So Rudy Gay, and I feel like that's more of a maybe like a body type. But this is someone that when I was looking into the comparison, Paul George's stats definitely seem far superior in his two years at Fresno State. I know it was against lesser competition. But, you know, Zaire feels that he has all the tools to be successful at the next level. But would it be wrong to say this might be one of the guys that could benefit most if he had returned to college for another year? Yeah, I think so. It would have given him an opportunity to really be healthy. Um, and, and being in the Pac-12, you you really didn't have a chance to prepare um, with, with COVID this year. Um, and, and I think that really holds a guy like Zaire Williams back. Um, and, and, you know, he's just raw. He, he's raw all around, um, but he oozes talent. Um, and, and I'm sure we'll, we'll talk about this a couple of times today is, you know, at what point do you say I'm willing to risk the investment because of the talent, knowing that he's, he's not NBA ready and I'm probably not going to get meaningful contributions out of him maybe until year three. Yeah. And I think it's hard for me to sit here and say, as a guy that covers this Pacers team, thinking they would go out and get someone like that. But at the same time, I mean, if that's a three-year window, they have a lot of contracts coming off the books in two years. So it it could make sense for him to make that jump in year three once you get the guys like LeVert Brogdon off the roster. Uh, Edmund Sumner, I believe, is in that same boat as far as when his contract expires too. So there's a lot of intrigue there. And I think the biggest thing for me is getting guys playing time in Indiana their developmental team has not done a very good job of developing young players. It's really just been whenever they've been super talented, they've thrust them into the starting lineup. But other than that, they don't get a lot of minutes in the rotation. So that's intriguing that you say that. But I'm just looking here at some of these cons that people have put out here on on, on social media and Twitter and in the internet. And a lot of it talks about just how he can play very wild and he's not real crisp with his game. Can we, can we talk about how he is just maybe not under control the way you'd want him to be if you're looking at a prospect? Yeah, so I, I think it starts with the ball handling. It's improved, um, but it's it's still not where you want it to be. He's still kind of loose with the handle. Um, when he gets going downhill, he gets tunnel vision, and it's very much, you know, get out of the way or get run over. Uh, but if you get run over by a guy who's 180 pounds, like it doesn't hurt that much. And, and then you get an offensive foul, you're going the other way. Um, he, he's made some kind of careless decisions with the ball. Um, but I think a lot of that has to do with reps. Um, you know, he's a guy who ended up losing his starting job uh, at Stanford, only played 20 games. Um, so, you know, this is a guy who who needs reps. And, and you talked about, you know, Indiana's um, – development or, or maybe lack thereof of players like that. Um, to me, Zaire Williams is just a guy who, who needs, he needs to get in the game. He needs to make mistakes uh, and, and learn to correct them. Um, and I think he got better as the year went on and, and being taken out of the starting lineup, I think kind of made him refocus a little bit. Um, he, he looked a little sharper later in the season, in my opinion, uh, from, from the games that I watched. Um, so, uh, I, it's a very fair criticism, and I, and I think 
a, a large reason why he's not NBA ready at this point. Yeah, you talked about some of the mistakes that he's made. I mean, this is someone who averaged just a hair under three turnovers per game. Um, you know, I don't know. It's going to be hard to be able to get those reps and be able to play through your mistakes when, you know, it seems that you might not be ready for the next level. But can we talk about something that maybe that he does do very well at this moment? Yeah, so I think from day one, uh, you're going to get a, a pretty solid defender, um, high energy defender. He's got good length, 6'10", 6'11", wingspan, uh, good lateral mobility. He does need to put on weight, um, and, and I think that will help with, um, you know, playing defense against um, maybe some small ball fours. I think right now he's probably better suited to guard threes, maybe down guarding twos as well. Um but I think there is upside for him to be a two through four defender. Um, so I think that's something he does uh, really well right now. Um, I also, th this is going to be kind of a weird thing, um, but I like how confident he is when he shoots. Yes, he's a little crazy. He's a little wild uh, and the numbers weren't really there. But if you don't lose confidence, that's, you know, that's so much of basketball, uh, especially as a shooter is you know, when I put the ball up, do I expect it to go in? Um, and I think he's a much better shooter than his numbers indicate. Uh, I think part of it was, again, not being fully healthy, um, not really having the off season to um, get to the point where where you would need to be, um, you know, as far as readiness uh, for the season. Um but the way he shot the ball in high school, the way it looks coming out of his hands, um, I think he's going to, to be able to shoot at, at a pretty reasonable level. So this is a question that I really haven't asked on any of our other Prospect Chronicle episodes, and I don't know why I didn't, but how much of an impact do you think the COVID-19 pandemic played a factor into his, his collegiate uh, season here with Stanford? It's a really good question, and I think it's massive in this particular case I think uh, you could say that about um, you could say that about any team but but especially the the Pac-12 teams the teams that are in California um, you know they had much heavier restrictions than than other schools um, I mean you know their football season didn't even start until you know everyone else was halfway through and I know it's a different sport but but same idea um, you don't get to go in the gym. You don't get to go into the weight room. Um, and the weight room thing was big for him. He really has to add strength. Um, and, and I think, you know, we, we were talking about things he does well, things he doesn't. I, I think another area that he needs to improve tremendously is his finishing. Um, he, I think he's a guy who's used to just being able to go up and over people at the high school level. Um, and now that he has to kind of absorb contact, his, his body's not ready for that yet. Uh, I think he'll get there. Um, but again, I think that's an area that that COVID contributed to um, to some of his struggles. Yeah, just about every account that you'll read will highlight his defensive abilities, which we touched on. Um, but someone that I was really much lower on in the draft uh, two years ago was Matisse Thibel. And he was a senior. Now, Zaire, he's, he's a freshman coming out. But I love Thibault's defensive capabilities. I think that he's absolutely, you know, shown that he can contribute on the defensive side of things. If Zaire is not able to get his offensive game up to par, do you think at worst he could be potentially a higher ceiling, you know, Matisse Thibault? Uh, 
I don't think he's that good defensively. I, I think he's he's good. I, I don't think he's a stopper like like Thibault can be. Yeah. Um, but but the the offensive game is is much more fluid. Exactly. Yeah. Um, yeah. Good. So. But but that kind of role, I, I could kind of see it, yeah. Yeah, at worst-case scenario, if, if the offensive side never really comes and he's able to hone in on defensive side, I still feel like Thibault someone who's impacting the game without much offense at all. If Zaire can at least hone in on improving his defensive side of things much better, I think that he'll be able to carve out a role. So that's essentially what I was getting at. Yeah, and there's definitely a role there. The other thing I think Zaire Williams does that that people don't talk enough about is his ability as a passer. Um, Stanford runs a whole lot of uh, backdoor cut, backdoor screen action, um, and, and so some of it you could say, oh well, it's you know it's designed to be there, but you still need to see it. There's a whole lot of stuff going on on the on the weak side of the floor, and he's able to see the cutter. And a lot of times fit the ball into really tight windows. He, he has really good ball placement on his passes. Um, and, and I highlight that because even if you're going to be primarily a defensive player, you don't want to be a ball stopper. And I don't think he will be. Um, so even if he's not making shots, I think there are other ways that he'll be able to contribute uh, on the floor offensively. Um, I, I almost wouldn't mind seeing him, you know, if, once he adds a little bit of weight, if he plays a little small ball four, um, to be the role man and, and just kind of short roll and distribute from the high post. Um, you know, I think that's something that that NBA teams could could utilize in his game as well, um, you know, later down the line. Okay, so I want to ask this two-part question because I think it'll really help just kind of break it down easier for fans if they're fans of Zaire Williams or if they have con- some concerns about him. But give me two things positively, two of his strengths that you think will keep him in the league for a long time, and then give me two of your biggest you know, weaknesses or two of the things that worry you the most that could potentially make him a bust prospect. Sure. So uh, I'm not going – the. I think one of the obvious answer, and it's kind of a cop-out answer as, as far as his strengths would be the upside. Well, that's kind of a lame answer. It doesn't really tell you anything. Um, so I'll say two things that he do well and that I, I kind of project him to do well moving forward. Um, again, we talked about the defense. Uh, I do think he'll be a plus uh, defensive player, um, make strong rotations. He tags the roller. Um, high energy player, not afraid to get in the face of the offensive player, really active hands. Um, so I think, you know, at minimum, you're getting a, a high level defensive player. Um, again, maybe not, you know, an all defense caliber player, but somebody that you're going to say, okay, um, you know, go guard the best or second best player on the floor. And, and you feel, you feel reasonably good about it. Um, and then, uh, <clears throat> excuse me. I would say on the offensive side, um, I do think the shooting will get there eventually. Um, and, and there's projection there. Um, but again, the way he shot it before, uh, the confidence in which he shoots the ball, you don't, you don't have that kind of confidence if you're not a good shooter, uh, unless you're, you know, like, I don't know, Rondo in the playoffs or something. Um, but, but I think those two things – I, I think are going to keep him in the league. Um, and especially if he develops that catch and shoot three point shot, he's an easy, you know, three and D, um, you know, kind of player. You're, you're just going to see it in a couple of years. Um, two things that I think 
are going to be problems is the decision making. Um, I talked about the passing and he is a good passer and it's not necessarily the passing. That's a problem. It's some of the shot selection. It's the, um, you know, maybe the decision to, to try to, to force the issue um, and dribble the ball where he, he doesn't need to be dribbling. Um, and I would say his finishing. Uh, if, if he's not able to finish at a reasonable level, uh, then you can really run him off the three-point line and you're not too concerned about him attacking the closeout and getting to the rim. Uh, you, you should feel, you know, as his opponent, you should feel reasonably comfortable that, that you're going to be able to give him a hard time if you can challenge him at the rim. If you're a team, you know, are you drafting him with expectations to say, you know, I know you mentioned it could be a while till he contributes. Are you, is your expectations, hey, let's put him in the G League and let's get his confidence up? Or is this a, hey, let's put him on the bench and let's, you know, give it about a year or so and see if he can maybe crack the rotation in that first year? Or should expectations off the bat be, hey, G League, get the confidence up, get consistency? Yeah, that, that's a really good question and a really tough answer. Um, I think at the end of the day, he needs reps. So if if you're, you know, let's say you're a team drafting in the 20s and you're a playoff team and you're just drafting him to kind of add to the stable for, you know, later down the line. I mean, we've seen some some teams draft guys with super high ceilings in the hopes that you're just, you know, adding to that cupboard of talent. Um, so if you're one of those teams, I, I do think it's a let's get this guy to the G League. Let's make him the focus of that G League team, um, develop the skills that we want to develop, um, and maybe bring him up later down the line, depending on how he's doing. I think if you're a team who is in a rebuilding stage, you you know it's going to be a multi-year process of, of probably being in the, in the lottery several years in a row, then I don't think there's too much harm in letting him try to figure it out at the NBA level. And if he can't, you can always send him down and, and go from there, you know, just kind of make sure he understands like this isn't a, you know, performance issue or, you know, we're not upset with you. This is, we, we think this is best for your development. And, you know, hopefully he understands that. Um, but I, so I ultimately, I think it comes down to the team that drafts him and understanding that the only way he's going to get better is, is by playing. That's how you, um, that's how you start to tighten up those, those mistakes. Um, so, not not the the best answer, but but that's probably what I would say. So I I know I mentioned Paul George as a name that I've seen thrown out there, and I know that player comps, like you said earlier, and last week can be really hard to put out there for prospects. And I know not everybody loves it, but is there somebody that you would maybe look at? I mean, maybe if the ceiling is Paul George, what's the floor in terms of? player comparison. I've, I've seen some names and I don't want to give it away, but uh, I'll, I'll maybe jump in if I, if I think we're on the same page here with who you give me for your player comp. So, so I'll be totally honest. If, if I don't see it, like I, I'm not going to look for it. Does that make sense? Um, mm -hmm. So can I, can I see a world where he's in the Paul George, Rudy Gay mold that, you know, those are two names that you guys have brought up. I can absolutely see it. I mean, what's the floor for, for a guy that's this raw? Uh, I don't know if I can give you a, a specific name, but um, 
you know, you're, you're looking at a guy that that's probably never more than, uh, you know, a second unit energy kind of guy. Um, I'm trying to think on the fly here. Cause, cause I did try to think of one coming in mm-hmm. to the podcast and, and nothing really came to me. So I, I want to hear some of your names and, and see if that kind of sparks something. Well, well, one name for me that I think makes a ton of sense is Cam Reddish. Okay, like a, yeah. I like a guy that. in Atlanta, you know, and there's a lot of people that still like Cam Reddish that would trade for him and, and would hope that he would turn into something. I know that we have Pacer fans that would, would like Cam Reddish on this roster. So that, to me, is someone I think makes sense because there's a lot of intangibles there. Cam obviously went top 10, so I think there's – maybe less expectations with Zaire if he's drafted in, you know, the, the teen, the teens area. But I, I do think that that might be a decent comparison. Cam Reddish. One thing that I saw one name that, you know, went pretty high. I think it was the fourth overall pick was Deandre Hunter. Um, Deandre Hunter is someone who is known for you know, being a good defender, but I think that Hunter's game was more polished um, at that point. I think, you know, you're obviously coming off of, you know, winning a championship at Virginia, being a, a you know a top five pick, Zaire, I felt like just didn't have the year that people hoped for, and for that, it kind of felt like he had his mind made from the start. It was one year, going pro. So, uh, I'm a little bit less sold on him, but the Hunter, hey, if he if he could end up being a DeAndre Hunter type, I think that that would be a a pretty good pretty good role in the NBA. Yeah, I'd seen that name too, and. Um kind of got me thinking a little bit like you said I think Hunter was was more polished I I think he was he was a little bigger too a little bulkier mm-hmm. um and ultimately I think the difference is while I still think Zaire can shoot it well Hunter did shoot it well and you know that I, I think if if Zaire shot the ball like that we'd be talking about him as as a no doubt top 10 pick yeah no doubt about it so like I said, I'm, I'm still trying to figure out where exactly I think he falls, but I do think that there's potential there for a team that maybe has multiple picks in the in the first round. A team like New York, they've got, I believe, the Mavericks pick. Uh, yep, this season. They do. So and, uh, Houston Rockets, I think, would for be Tim Hardaway Jr. Fit. Hey, I think it's worth it at this point. Yeah, uh, Tim Hardaway. Yep. <laughs> not for Porzingis, but uh, anyway, we can keep all that Porzingis out of Indiana talk. <laughs> out of my mentions i am i, so I did, sick I did see him. you guys talked about him on an on an earlier episode I, I didn't get a chance to listen to it yet but but i want to tune into that to just to get your guys thoughts on that oh for sure uh we uh well spoiler alert we're not fans but <laughs> no we're not no nobody we're not. is at this point <laughs> no there really isn't any takers for porzingis at this point i mean the contract alone is terrifying the injury history is very alarming and just I just think that he, he's just a player that just does not fit on a lot of teams right now. If you're look, if he wants to view himself as a number one option, it's slim picking. Right. Yeah, I totally agree. We're, we're getting off topic here. We're supposed to be talking about our <laughs> prospect chronicles. So my last question on Zaire Williams, like I did last week, give me your best persuasive speech on Zaire Williams and why you think he would make sense for an NBA team. So with Zaire Williams, I genuinely believe this is a guy who is one of the 10 most talented players in the draft, uh, maybe top five, um, at least borderline. And I think there's an argument to be made there. Um, if, if you're willing to be patient with him and you're willing to develop him, 
the rewards are a potential all NBA caliber player. Um, now being realistic, the, the floor is low, but if you're going to take a swing on a guy, uh, in the middle of the first round and you say, I, you know, we have the role players, we need to try and find a star. That's the kind of home run swing you take. Um, that's the kind of talent you bet on. And, and you just hope you can chalk up a lot of the struggles to injury, to COVID, to whatever personal issues he was dealing with, uh, allegedly. Um, and, and if you develop him, you're, you're getting, you know, possibly one of the 25 best players in the NBA. And if you can get that in the middle of the first round, you have the role players, you know, that's not something you're looking to upgrade. Zaire Williams is the guy that I'm taking a swing on in, in, in the middle of the first. Okay, I respect it very much. And uh, as we say, as we wrap up over here, Jared, tell everyone where they can find you on social media and what you guys have going on. Uh, I'm on Twitter at Jared underscore Katz30, K-A-T-Z. Richard and I are still trying to pump out uh, some more content over at Mavs Draft as well. Um, And uh, it's about all I got going on. Just uh, keep keep grinding and – Looking forward to, to seeing how this draft shakes out. All right. Well, this is going to wrap up episode five of the Prospect Chronicles. As we close out the month of June, it's exciting to know that we've made it this far. And I think the month of July, we're going to get a little bit more of a, a pulse on what's going on around the league and, you know, what kind of guys the, the Pacers bring in for some workouts and what they see from the, you know, the combine. I think we're going to get a better pulse on the Pacers to do and you know maybe at that point we'll have jared back on to break down another prospect but we will be back next week to to hit on another prospect we haven't picked one out yet so so no spoilers but we will be back next week to talk about that Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.